Good morning. Good to see everyone here this morning. Good morning if you're joining us online live right now. Welcome to Connect. Uh, if you're watching this at a later date, thanks so much for uh, choosing to take some time to join us during this Christmas series. Uh, I do enjoy uh, each year getting to do a Christmas series. We get to focus on the wonderful story of Christmas, uh, and it means that I get to stand up here on this stage, and for the Sundays leading up to Christmas, I get to talk about the person who is at the heart of the Christmas story. And uh, of course, that person who's at the very heart of the Christmas story is none other than Peter Billingsley. As, as you all know, Peter Billingsley, a uh, very famous person, heart of the Christmas story. Some of you are like, wait, who? Christmas story what? Well, actually, I know you were thinking probably Jesus should have been in the answer, and it is. But uh, this guy actually is literally at the heart of the Christmas story because this is the grown-up version of Peter Billingsley. Let me show you a picture of the child version of Peter Billingsley. There he is. Ralphie from A Christmas Story, a very famous Christmas movie. I'm sure many of you have watched it at least once, maybe once a year around Christmas time. Uh, and this guy, Peter Billingsley, I mean, he is like Mr. Christmas. Because I don't know if you know this, but he didn't just stop at being Ralphie in A Christmas Story. Many years later, a movie by the name of Elf came out with Will Ferrell. And did you know that one of the elves in the background, an elf by the name of Ming Ming, was actually none other than Peter Billingsley. There he is again. So he shows up in uh, Elf. And then... I discovered just this week that there was a movie out about 15 years ago. It wasn't a huge Christmas movie. It was called Four Christmases. Uh, starred Vince Vaughn. And they have to take a flight. And as he arrives at the airport, the ticket agent is none other than Peter Billingsley. Here he is. I mean, this guy is like Mr. Christmas. He's just showing up in about every Christmas movie there is. Um, even... Thanks to the wonder of special effects and makeup, uh, he also appeared in another famous Christmas movie called Die Hard. There he is there. Okay, okay. Uh, some of you are thinking, wait a minute, that's not Peter Billingsley, that's Bruce Willis. And you are correct. Uh, that is actually Bruce Willis. Others of you are thinking, wait a minute, Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. You are wrong, okay? Die Hard is a great Christmas classic. So, uh, but... In reality, as, as much of a Christmas person Peter Billingsley is, uh, the true center of the Christmas story, who I love to talk about every December, is Jesus. And uh, is, he's the reason for the season. And this year, our series, as we come up to Christmas, has been titled A Simple Christmas. And the reason we've titled it A Simple Christmas is because due to the fact that there is a uh, global pandemic going on right now, Christmas is going to look a little bit different, I would imagine, for many of us here this morning. Maybe you're used to gathering together in large family affairs or traveling across the country to be with family and loved ones. And, and this Christmas, it's going to be different. It might be a little bit more simple. Maybe you're used to going to the mall and doing lots of shopping and spending lots of money and, and you're unable to do that this year. 
Now, you'll be pleased to know that that hasn't stopped my wife. She's uh, just simply turned to online shopping. So she is still spending just as much money, buying just as many gifts, and uh, simply doing it online instead. In fact, as a family, I think we've decided that this year we're going to get a gift for the UPS man, because uh, we actually see more of him than some of our relatives. So I think he deserves a Christmas gift this year. Um, so the truth is, uh, in many ways, Christmas may be a little bit more simple this year than normal. But the great news is that the very heart of the message of Christmas is simple. And that hasn't changed. Last year, in the midst of the busyness and the chaos of Christmas, the very heart of the message of Christmas was still very simple. This year, it will still be simple. And next year, it will still be simple. In fact, I actually think you can sum up the entire message of Christmas in just one word. It's that simple. And that word is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Now, I think probably most of you recognize that word. You've sung it in a Christmas carol. Maybe you've seen it on display as you've walked the aisles of Hobby Lobby, and it features on various different products that you can purchase. But I wonder this morning, how many of you really know or actually know what Emmanuel actually means? Well, the good news is you're going to learn it this morning because Matthew, one of the four gentlemen who wrote about the life of Jesus and uh, whose gospel actually gives us a great account of the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, um, he, he not only mentions the word Emmanuel, he then defines it. So we're going to read this morning from Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And then Matthew quotes the prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. It's that simple. The simple message, the heart of the Christmas message is Emmanuel, God is with us. Now, you may have noticed that earlier when we put the word up on the screens, it said Emmanuel, and it was spelt with an E. And then we just read it from Matthew there, and he, he had Emmanuel spelt with an I. And you may have seen it on different um, signs, postcards, Christmas cards, that kind of thing. And you've seen it spelt two different ways and wondered why that is. Well, uh, the reason is that the Bible itself, it wasn't originally written in English. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was uh, mainly Greek. So the word first shows up in the Old Testament, and uh, it's a Hebrew word, and the reason it shows up in the Old Testament as this Hebrew form is because Emmanuel literally means Imanu, which is Hebrew for um, with us, and El, which is uh, Hebrew for God. So the literal meaning of the word Emmanuel with an I is God with us. Then in the New Testament, uh, the Greek words, the translation of that word in Greek is Emmanuel, uh, which we in our English language change to Emmanuel. So uh, you can see there that it's very similar in the Greek to what we would say in the English. But basically, the word Emmanuel, whether an I or an E, are two different spellings of the same word. 
So if you see that word spelled either way, it's the same word, it's just spelled differently. It's a little bit like um, someone's name. You know how sometimes people have a name that it can be spelt different ways? Uh, my wife's like that. Her name's Casey. Uh, her name can be spelt differently by different people. Some people spell uh, Casey C-A-S-E-Y. Others spell it K-A-C-I-E. Uh, she actually spells it L-O-V-E-L-Y, which is lovely. <laughs> Yes, thank you. That was to make up for the online shopping comment earlier. So hopefully that's balanced things out a little bit there and won, won her back. It's actually K-A-S-E-Y. But the same way the word Casey is spelled differently, Emmanuel can be spelled differently. So when you see that word, however it's spelled, know that it means God is with us. And it's the simple message for a simple Christmas that God is with us. And I think this year, more than ever before, with all that we've been through, it should encourage us to know that no matter what's going on in the world, with all the chaos and and stuff going on, God is still with us. He was with us before, He's with us now, He'll be with us in the future. And when this word first came on the scene in the New Testament, this wasn't new for those who already followed God. They knew that God was with them. Because they were still standing on a promise that came to a man called Abraham 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus. 2,000 years before Jesus was born, we discover this relationship between um, God and Abraham. And Abraham, uh, God gives Abraham this, this, this very important promise. We can read it in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 to 3 and verse 7. He says this, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. And then the Lord appeared to Abraham and he said, I will give this land to your descendants. So in this promise, God is not just saying, I will be with you, Abraham, God with you. I will be with your descendants too. I will be with you and your sons and your sons' sons and your sons' sons' sons and all of your descendants, I will be with them. This is the promise I'm making to you today. Now, there's a little bit of a problem here. You see, at this point, Abraham is 75 years old. And do you know what he doesn't have any of at this point in his life? Descendants. So he has a hard time believing that not only will God be with him, but we'll be with all of his descendants too. In fact, he kind of starts to, to bargain with God a bit and say, listen, I know you said descendants, but I don't have any, so maybe, maybe he could be with my servants and their descendants. And listen to how God responds a couple of chapters later. The God said in, in 15 verses four through five, the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own and he will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Obviously, none of us can look up and count the stars. And that's the point God's making. You you couldn't count the amount of descendants that you will have. So 25 years go by. He was 75 at the time. Now we're 25 years later. Abraham is 99. And he still... He and his wife, Sarah, still haven't had a son. And yet God is still making these promises to Abraham. 
Genesis 17, verse 7, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. This is a promise I am making today. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. God with us, Emmanuel. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It'll be their possession forever and I will be their God. God's making this promise to Abraham that he will be with him and his descendants. But it's been 25 years that Abraham has been hearing this promise and he is yet to see a descendant. Abraham's now 99, his wife Sarah is 90. And I think if I'm Abraham, I'm starting to question this promise that God is making. And the challenge is when you start to question the promise that God's making, then you even start to question, well, is God really with me like he said he would be with me? I wonder if you find yourself in a situation like that today believing that God has given you a dream or a vision or, or something for the future. Maybe in the midst of a, a struggle right now, it could be a financial situation, maybe as a result of some of the uh, situation of this year, your job has changed or income has changed and, and you, you believe that God is with you and you believe that he's gonna get you through this, but you're yet to see it happen. It could be a health situation where you're, you're battling something that's going on with the health and, and you really believe that God is going to bring you through and you almost feel like he's, he's promised you that there is light at the end of the tunnel, but you're yet to see it happen. You're like, God, today would be a really good day for that to finally come to some kind of resolution. And yet still, nothing has changed. And when you don't see the things change, it's hard, isn't it, to, to still believe that God is with us. It could possibly be that you find yourself literally in the same boat as Abraham and Sarah. You could be in a situation where you're, you're married and you want to start a family of your own and for whatever reason, you've not yet been able to get pregnant. And you believe that God's put this dream and this desire in your heart to, to want to start a family and have a family, but that time hasn't come and you're starting to question, God, are you really with us? A few years back, a family started attending Connect and I got to know them. And uh, as I got to know them, I started to hear a little bit more of their story. And it turns out that this particular couple have been battling now just for about five years infertility and loss. Desperately wants to start a family, desperately wants to be parents, but just through one difficult situation after another, had yet been able to begin the family they so, so wanted. And in talking to the mum, you know, she said, I just believe God has put this desire in my heart to be a mum. Which makes it even harder because there's such a deep desire. And I feel like he's given me this promise that, that one day this child will come. But with every setback and with every obstacle we face, it just seems to hurt a little bit more. 2020 has been a challenging year and... If like me, you're on social media, your feed's probably full of negative stuff and divisive stuff. But every now and again, you come across a post that just lifts your spirits. And that happened to me this year, very early on in the year, this, this couple, Nathan and Sarah, the names are asked if I could tell their story. And she said, absolutely. 
Nathan and Sarah posted their pregnancy announcement. And then just last month posted uh, a picture of the arrival, safe arrival of Henry. And there they are, Nathan, Sarah, and Henry. After years of, of praying and just asking God and trusting that God was with them, even when it didn't seem like he was. On Facebook, she posted this five days after Henry was born. My mind has gone in so many different directions these past five days. Feeling a sense of understanding for why it took so long because it was Henry that was meant for us all along. We'd do all the struggles five times over again to have this moment. And more than anything, we just feel sheer love and joy for this tiny human. Our hearts are officially outside of our bodies. It was awesome to see them praising God for this answered prayer. Even Henry got in on praising God. She said, here's a picture of him just worshiping. He's just like, thank you, God. Such a wonderful answer to prayer. And this family, they came to learn, like Abraham and Sarah, that, that God is with us even when his timing seems off. God is with us even when it seems his timing is off. Maybe you find yourself in that situation right now where you're like, God, I wish your timing was different because I, I'm really needing this answer prayer. I'm really needing this situation resolved now. And it seems like your, your timing is off. But listen to the conclusion of the story of Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 21. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time that God had said it would. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. My hope and prayer for you this morning, whether you're here in person or watching online, is that not only do you get to experience Emmanuel, God with us, but that there is something going on in your life right now that's causing you to question the timing of God maybe even causing you to question the presence of God, that you would realize that even though he's, his timing seems off, that God is with you this morning. And that whatever it is you're seeking him for, my hope and prayer is that it will happen at just the time that God says it would. As I was thinking about this this week, there's another thought behind this idea of Emmanuel, God with us. And that is that God is with us even when it doesn't seem like he's there. Even when it doesn't seem like he's there. There's another word we hear a lot at Christmas time, and that's Advent. Advent is a, a Latin word. It literally means coming. And it's the, the time that we as Christ followers refer to as we're leading up to the birth of Jesus. So there are different things you can do around the, the idea of Advent. One of the things that you may have heard of are Advent candles. Advent candles are a set of four candles and every week leading up to Christmas you light one candle. They represent hope, joy, peace, love and with each week it represents getting closer and closer to the coming of Jesus. This is a, 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 an arrangement that was sold just right here in Washington at Lafleur. Maybe you've got something like this in your home. 
We had Advent candles in England growing up, but I've got to be honest, um, I preferred the other uh, tradition that we uh, had when I was a kid growing up, and that was Advent calendars. Advent calendars were much better than candles because Advent calendars you did daily and every day you opened another little door and there was a piece of chocolate in there and it was fantastic. I couldn't wait for Jesus to come. I mean, every day it's just more chocolate. It was brilliant. In fact, 20 years ago when my first son was born, you didn't really get these chocolate Advent calendars around here. So um, my mum made one for us as a family and it hangs on our wall in the kitchen every Christmas. Here's our Advent calendar. And we stuff those pouches full of little bits of candy and chocolate. There's four in every single pouch for the four kids in my house. Three kids, 20 and under, and one that's just slightly older. (laughs) Yeah. But here's why the Advent period is so important, because when Jesus was born, it was at a very critical time. You see, for a long time in the Old Testament, God had been uh, with the people of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, David, Solomon. You can read throughout the Old Testament that God was with the people of Israel all the way up to the very end of the Old Testament where a prophet named Malachi was was speaking to the people of Israel, the words that God gave him to speak. And then from that point to the time Jesus was born, it was about 400 years, God was silent. There's nothing else written between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. So that means that for 400 years, the people of Israel lived in a time where it just felt like God was silent. Now, he was still with them. And thanks to history, we know that the people of Israel continued to worship him. They continued to follow him, despite the fact that their land was overtaken by the Persians and the Greeks and then finally the Romans. But they got to experience what sometimes we experience, that that feeling that we're worshiping God, but it's almost like he's silent. They learn that not only is God with us, sometimes when it feels like his timing is off, but God is with us even when he is silent. God is with us even when he's silent. Maybe you're going through something in your life right now where it just feels like I'm praying and my prayers just seem to be bouncing off the ceiling. Why can't I hear God? Why can't I experience God like I used to? I want to assure you this morning that God is still with you even if it seems that he's silent. And imagine what it must have been like that very first Christmas, after 400 years of silence, suddenly Jesus is born, Emmanuel, God with us. That's great news at any time, but after 400 years of of seemingly silence from God, suddenly Jesus, God shows up in the form of Jesus, his son, Paul talks about this years later in Galatians 4.4. He says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. When the right time came, God sent his son. So this Christmas, wherever you find yourself in your faith journey, I really hope and pray that you get to experience Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. That is the simple message of Christmas, that God is with us. And if right now you're going through something and his timing seems to be off, if right now you're in a situation that just seems like he's silent, I still hope and pray that you discover the, the, just the simple message at the heart of Christmas, 
and that is that Emmanuel, God, is with you. Father, this is going to be a more simple Christmas than others for many of us. And I pray, Lord, that during this particular Christmas, we really are able to focus on the simplicity of the fact that the heart of the Christmas message is Emmanuel, God, with us. God showed up in the form of his son, Jesus, to be with us. All the way back to Abraham, God was with his people. All the way to today, God, you are still with us. Let Emmanuel become something real in our lives today that you are with us. Let us experience that this Christmas, I pray. Whatever we're going through in our lives, please, Father, help us to experience the reality of you with us in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.